everybody. It's great to see you. Hope you've had a good week so far, but we've reached basically the middle of it, and it's a great time to recharge our batteries and look forward to the remainder of our week. 
We have some prayer concerns I'll mention to you, and then we'll be praying here together in just a few minutes, and I'll, I'll mention them. David Nowell, who's an elder at Strickland, he's also Emily Kendrick's brother. He's been diagnosed with two masses on his brain. They've done some further, uh, I guess, preliminary type work, and they have decided to do brain surgery in the morning, probably around 11 or so at Methodist in Memphis. The purpose of that is to remove those tumors. Uh, they were growing very quickly. In fact, one of them seemed like it was producing maybe a couple of other tumors, so they wanted to act quickly. Uh, please remember him as he undergoes that. Remember his wife, Cindy, and also Emily and the rest of their family. Anita is awaiting some test results and a consultation. She's been to doctor a couple of times this week for various tests. There's some concern regarding her liver, and we're just praying that the results are good and have a, a good course of action for her, but just please remember her as we're waiting more news about all that. And then John Roten had had a bad reaction to his vaccine. I think he's making some improvements, but that's going slowly. So please remember the Rotens in your prayers. All right. We're going to sing a song together. I, I couldn't decide between two different songs, so I thought we would just sing both of them. The first one is 449, Thy Word, and then the second one is the very next song, 450, Give Me the Bible. And we'll just sing the first verse of 450. How about that? These actually are two... <laughs> Just turns out, I really like them because they're going to go along, I think, with our lesson tonight because we're going to talk about equipping members of the church. That's something we must do as a church. So we want to equip people. And, well, you equip them by training them. And our, our source of training is the Bible. Um, <laughs> Thy Word actually was a theme song in a radio program I used to have. And then Give Me the Bible is also a theme song of a TV, TV program I used to be on. So this is nostalgic. <laughs> 449, Thy Word. Thy Word is a lamp to my feet and a light.
for that indulgence. Let's pray together. Our Father in heaven, we're thankful to you for a great day today, and we give you glory and honor for all the good things that happened. And we also are thankful to you for the the challenges, the struggles that we had, because we know that you will use those for good. You'll, you'll fashion us closer to the image of Jesus, and uh, we, we rejoice in that. We thank you, Father, for our own health and strength, the freedom that we have to assemble here today. But we certainly are aware of people who are struggling now, and we have compassion for them. And we're asking, Father, that you would give special attention to them. We ask your blessings on David as he is to have surgery tomorrow. And we're asking, Father, that you will be with the doctors and nurses and technicians that are working on his case, that they will use great skill and wisdom as they ascertain his situation and try to bring healing to his body. And we pray, Lord, that you will bless those efforts and that they'll be successful. We pray also for his family, for Cindy especially, and we think of Emily uh, as a member of our body here. We pray, Lord, not, not just comfort for them, but we pray courage and a positive outlook because we're putting all this in your hands. I pray, Father, that you will bless Anita as she's awaiting news concerning her own health condition. And we pray, Lord, that the tests that she's already endured, that they've been able to gather enough information, make a good determination about her case too, and that whatever course is necessary for her treatment, that it will be uh, as minimally invasive and uh, easy to adjust to as, as possible. We pray for the rotans, especially John, who had the more severe reaction, and we pray that he'll recover and that his health will be restored to him. And others, Lord, that we know of personally that are on our hearts, we pray your blessings on them as we have these, these concerns. We love them, and we, just, we want them to do well. I ask your blessings, Lord, tonight on our study of your word and uh, your word truly is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path and we do we we cry out to you for more benefits from your word we, we just ask you to give it to us and I just pray we'll make good use of what we take into ourselves your word on our hearts motivate us activate us in our service to you and Lord, as we think about the great work in the church of equipping the saints, I pray that you'll inspire all of us to make personal examination and then to respond to what we know we ought to do. And thank you, Lord, for the word that provides us with the means that we can actually do that. Thank you for everything that you'll do through us and to us tonight and help it to result in good things in our Christian walk. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, tonight we're talking about something else that the church must do. And tonight we're going to talk about the fact that we must equip the members. I think about our service and the responsibility that we have to serve, and that comes in a lot of different packages and is directed in lots of different ways. But let's just, let's just be serious about the act of equipping, whether that is us impact in the other life, somebody else, or whether it is that we're being equipped ourselves. We're, we're trying to add to the complement of things that God's already put into our hands, that every member of this church will be equipped to serve to the fullest of their ability. If you are a disciple, 
of Jesus Christ, then that means a lot of things. But tonight I want to specifically think about the idea of being a, a learner or a student. In fact, I tend to think that every Christian, and, and that is whether you have been a Christian a long time or a short time, does, does it matter, your tenure, that wherever you are as a Christian, that, that you ought to have a great desire within yourself to be, I, I'm just going to call it, be a student of the school of Jesus. You want to learn from Jesus. You, you want to have your life impacted by his teaching. You know just by your own experience and whether this is true in the workplace or some other place in your life. It could even be physically. Maybe it's just regarding your physical training. You, you know that if you're ever going to progress from where you are right now, that there's going to have to be additional training. Now, some people are self-starters. They don't need very much motivation or prompting to seek out more knowledge. They're just driven to know more. Other people need a little bit of encouragement or at least need maybe some help in knowing exactly what to do to gain more information or more knowledge. As a child of God, you and I, we, we see in our regular, normal interactions with things the importance of training. I don't like to get on the interstate with those big trucks, but I am comforted in knowing that at least for some period of time, those guys or those gals driving those big trucks, they've had some training. Uh, they know what to do in certain circumstances. I know when I go to the dentist's office that the person who is stomping around there in my mouth, dealing with my teeth, they've had some training. And in fact, I know in the medical profession, they are required to have additional training through the year. That, that's true in a lot of professions. Lawyers have rooms that are filled with Many volumes of books. I'm sure that's true with CPAs as well. People who deal with very intricate, meticulous things when they deal with tax law or any other kind of law. You know those laws change all the time. And so in order to remain abreast of the situation, to know exactly what's happening, of what's required of them, they've got to have continuing education. They don't just learn a little bit get a degree, uh, be able to actually perform in a particular uh, occupation, and then just kind of stop. In most cases, you have a responsibility to continue to learn, to continue training. So you're a child of God, and you've read the Scriptures. You, you learned enough in the Scriptures to find out what you needed to do to be saved. And I have no doubt about it that you value that knowledge. But I hope that you haven't stopped there because there is a lot more in the Scriptures than simply what you need to do to be saved. There's a lot in those Scriptures that have to do with the day-to-day -day life have to do with our interaction with other people, have to do with what we should expect to see in our own lives, in our own walk, as we are growing closer and closer to Christ's likeness. I would think that all of those and so many more other things w would be important for us to grasp or to know, but you, you can't really know a lot of those things unless you've been trained or you've dug into the Scriptures more deeply, unless you have, in some way, become better equipped. Tonight, I want us to understand that is a must for us, to become better equipped. 
And as we've done with the other things that are of great importance for us, we're just going to kind of break it down simply. And I'm going to start by just talking about the importance of equipping. In the book of Hosea, chapter 4 and verse 6, God laments. He says that my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Now that's one small statement in the midst of a lot of things that God had to say about a very specific situation. But I can't help but think that the statement right there could be applied to a lot of different things relative to God's own people. We're going to be fine, we'll be good, if we know what we're doing. If we refuse to know more about the things of God, then on several different levels we can be destroyed as a result of our lack of knowledge. Not the least of which would be the case that in our continuing battle with Satan, he could get a leg up. I mean, honestly, how is it that Satan chose to battle Jesus? the Son of God, Jesus, the Word of God, well, He chose to use the Word itself. I'm still just confounded that Satan chose to use something that was so intimately connected with Jesus to try and somehow overthrow his faith or to subdue him as his work in trying to establish the kingdom was underway. What was Satan thinking? Well, Satan was thinking with Jesus the same thing that he probably often thinks with us, that maybe he could use the basis of the Word of God in order to twist and turn it in such a way as to create distraction or to cause us to rethink a position God says as he laments, my people are destroyed when they don't have enough knowledge. When Jesus was ascending to the Father, as we have noted several times in our study, he emphasized the importance of knowledge, of of teaching, of equipping. In Matthew 28, verses 19 and 20, He says, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I've commanded you. And lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. You have to teach someone the truth. They have to respond to it, and in this case, in responding to the extent that they develop belief in Jesus Christ as the Son of God and they obey the gospel through baptism, then he says they can become a disciple. But the second aspect of that was the equipping aspect, teaching them to observe all things that I've commanded you. What you have learned from me, I want communicated to the disciples. Same idea, you know, is found in 2 Timothy 2 and verse 2. That's another passage that we have joined with this one in the past. I just want to remind you of it, the importance of equipping. In that text, Paul's talking to Timothy, who effectively is going to be carrying on his ministry into the next generation, I guess. And so Paul says, the things that you have heard from me among many witnesses, the same commit to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. So so I know the also part is related to the teaching, and the teaching was going to be done to faithful men. The teaching that was going to be done was the teaching that Timothy had seen Paul do in the midst of other witnesses. And so Paul, Galatians 1, 11 and 12 didn't receive this message from men. It was a message that he received by revelation of the Holy Spirit. He received this message from the Lord himself. So the Apostle Paul communicating to Timothy 
now to another faithful person and another faithful person. And you know how we've done it in the past. We just kind of extrapolate toward the future and we go on and on and on until it reaches us. And that's basically how it is. I I can't say because I didn't live 100 years ago how that happened, but I do know that that same process took place in my own life because someone cared enough about me to equip me, to equip me with the knowledge that was necessary for me to obey the gospel. And then once I obeyed the gospel, to continue teaching me or to provide the opportunity for teaching so that I could at least to the degree that I have at this point, to take on the responsibility that God's put in me. And I don't know if you've thought about this very much, but I sure have. When you look back upon your experience as a Christian and all the people that have come into your life, touched your life, influenced you for good, you know that God has used those people to help equip you. I like to think of it as though God has made an investment in each one of us. God's done a lot of things and turned a lot of circumstances into good things to lead us in a right direction. And so here we are. You know, to this point in history, we're sitting in a church building studying God's word. I think that's a pretty good indicator. But as a result of all that God's done, he's made a huge investment. If you think over all the circumstances of life or just maybe pinpoint a few dramatic circumstances, you realize God's put a lot in there. Here's the thing about God. God expects a return on the investments that he has made. And one of the things that is constantly constantly emphasized through the scriptures that I've become a part of the communication of the word of God. So it is, it is absolutely important that I be a part of the equipping aspect. There is an interesting development that happens in the book of Acts as the church has been established that I think really points to what we're talking about tonight, the equipping idea. Actually, what happens is, here's the church being established, okay? And let's use our modern-day scenario. A bunch of people have obeyed the gospel. They believed, they obeyed the gospel through baptism, had their sins washed away. But that wasn't the end of it. Once they became members of the church, their disciples, as we noticed in Matthew 28, verse 19... They continued to be taught. In Acts chapter 2, for instance, in verses 42 to 47, we'll not look at every verse of that, but in the accumulation of those verses, you see a lot of equipping going on. But verse 42 says that they continued steadfastly, listen to this, in the apostles' doctrine, or some translations will have in the apostles' teaching and fellowship, the breaking of bread, and prayers. A lot of that has to do with edification, but that first idea right there, that they were continuing in the apostles' doctrine or the apostles' teaching. It does not mean that they just continued to rehash over and over and over and over again the message that they had heard that resulted in their obeying the gospel. It wasn't that. They were going from that point and being equipped, being taught, They are now disciples, students, again, in the school of Jesus. And the apostles, who were being prompted by the Holy Spirit to remember everything that Jesus had taught them, are now communicating those lessons to those new disciples. Paul gets in on that as he becomes a missionary to the world of the Gentiles. In Acts chapter 14, in verse 21 and just a handful of verses, verse 21 to 23, there you have a beautiful picture of the idea of the gospel going forth. And here you have people being strengthened or encouraged in their faith. In fact, that encouragement becomes so strong that now as a result, you've got elders being appointed in every church. 
I mean, every place they go, they're strengthening, they're building up the church, and they're seeing to it that leadership is put in place. I ask you, what is it that's happened here? Is he just rehashing the gospel? No. No, he is giving such instruction that it's developing the members of that church, and certainly at least a handful of men, they've become mature enough in those circumstances that they can be appointed as elders, qualified by the scriptures themselves. Someone took the time to equip those men with the knowledge that was necessary to draw out from them the skills and the wherewithal to lead a congregation of people in this very early history of the Lord's church. In the very next chapter, chapter 15, oftentimes we think about the division that happens between Paul and Barnabas and how they have to split up their work. But don't miss in chapter 15, verses 36 to 41, some interesting things that happen in the midst of all that conflict. Because emphasis is again made that there's a great strengthening that happens. They're going around to these churches, or at least the idea is, we're going to go back to these churches because we've established, we've started them, we've established them, but we need to go back and equip them. That's the idea of the strengthening that's mentioned there in that text. And then also in Acts chapter 19, at verses 9 and 10, there's mention of them going to the school of Tyrannus. But what were they doing there? Well, the text says that they were reasoning in that school. Reasoning could have been translated simply as teaching. They were teaching in the school. What were they teaching? Well, they're not, again, just rehashing the gospel facts, but that they are using that opportunity in order to strengthen or to build up, or our word is to equip the saints, because there is a great deal of work to do. And think about that. If I want the next generation to be as strong as the previous generation, I'm going to have to have them know what the previous generation knew. And maybe even some of the wisdom that they gained in the circumstances that they face, right? They dealt with circumstances nobody had ever heard of before in the first century because the church had just been established. And then as the next generation comes along, you've got, you've got an accumulation of knowledge and circumstances and, and things that we can pass on to the next generation so that maybe, maybe they won't replicate the mistakes of the past or, or maybe they'll be able to deal with in a better way some of the things that were dealt with in the past. They just become wiser, stronger, more mature. All of that is a result of equipping. And I'm just telling you, from the import of the scriptures, from the beginning of, of Jesus' work of calling his disciples to go and preach the gospel, to the spread of that gospel throughout the world and establishment of churches and them being strengthened, this whole idea of equipping, no doubt about it, is so very important. But I also want you to see that there is a pattern of equipping. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to also add the idea of transference. And when I say transference, I, I'm just wanting to plant in your thinking a personal responsibility. That as I have been equipped, I then also have the responsibility to try and equip somebody else. So when I say the pattern of equipping, I want us to start by asking ourselves, am I, and then you do that, do that to you, am I a pattern of equipping? What, what, wait a minute, what do you mean, Ken, by me being a pattern of equipping. What I'm getting at is something like what Paul told Timothy in 1 Timothy 4.12. Paul told Timothy that despite his young age, that he was to be an example to the believers in word, conduct, love, spirit, faith, and purity. This is not the same thing as the fruit of the Spirit that you read about in Galatians chapter 5. 
That is an outgrowth of the natural effect of God on your life. That's not what Paul is telling Timothy. Paul is telling Timothy, here are some things you must work on. Here are some things that you need to develop in yourself, and then you be an example of that. You live in such a way that others can look at you and know how this goes. So be an example to them. Set the pattern. You be the pattern of equipping for other people who look at you in terms of word, conduct, love, spirit, faith, and purity. Another way to put that is the way Paul talked about it, of himself. You know this text from 1 Corinthians 11, verse 1, where Paul said, imitate me as I also imitate Christ. In other words, Paul had made the commitment, and I don't think anybody would question that, that he had made the commitment, I'm going to follow in the footsteps of Jesus, and I don't care how horrible it becomes. And I'm willing to suffer whatever is necessary in order to do it. Well, with that kind of reputation, when he says, you imitate me as I'm imitating Jesus, as I'm walking in the footsteps of Jesus, you walk in those same footsteps. So if we could visualize somebody walking in the snow initially and leaving the footprints there, and then you come along, you're just trying to step in those same things. And Paul says, now you see what I'm doing? You see what I'm doing? I'm stepping in these. And the idea would be then, as long as I'm doing that, you follow in those steps. If I somehow go a different path, don't come this way. You stay with Jesus. Can, can you say that? I mean, can you say, I am a pattern of equipping. I can help you become more equipped if you will follow after me as I'm following after Jesus. Is that hard to say? To direct someone to do? Because I ought to be, I ought to be. I'm not saying that we are, I'm just saying we ought to be confident enough in our own walk with Jesus that we could actually say that to someone. In Hebrews 13, verse 7, that scripture says, remember those who rule over you, who have spoken the word of God to you, listen now, whose faith follow. And then he says, considering their own outcome, considering their own conduct, the outcome of their conduct. So I think about their conduct, it was faithful conduct. They taught me, and so what, what I need to do is remember the impact that they had in sharing the gospel with me and then follow after the life that they have lived hence. That's the idea, the same the same pattern that we established before. Yeah, I obeyed the gospel, but after that, what happened? Well, they shared the truth with you and now follow their faith. See how they have gone from here on. That's the idea of equipping. He says there are some that ought to be able to do that for you. Remember those people, but maybe somebody ought to be remembering us. Somebody ought to be remembering you. Somebody you are impacting that no other child of God is impacting right now. And when they look at you, whether they realize it or not, they ought to be able to see through you the footsteps of Jesus. Oh, I I think about the kind of commitment that Christians have and just kind of thinking how they acted in the scriptures like... A committed Christian was one that just loved, loved God and his word. They loved Christ and his church, the, the kingdom of God. They loved and anticipated fellowship, assembling with the saints. That was something that, that motivated and drove them and r- really helped maintain their own faithfulness just by associating with good, godly people. They were kind of the, the kind of people that were willing to give even beyond what maybe even seemed to be possible. There are also people who were willing to forgive. That is when people would cross them and maybe sin against them. They're always willing, not to hold a grudge, but 
to bring forgiveness. And then, of course, you know, the thing that really sets us apart, uh, that is love. You know, the scriptures encourage us to stop every once in a while and take an assessment about whether those kinds of things are happening with us. 2 Corinthians chapter 13 and verse 5, it says to examine yourselves as to whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. Wow. Stop. Make an assessment. Examine yourself as to whether you are in the faith. Test yourself. I, I guess there are a lot of suggestions we can make about how you do that. I, I thought of something just real simple. And this fits within the idea of the pattern aspect that I introduced to you. Like Paul says, Timothy, you do this so people can see it and then they'll follow you. Or Paul comes out and says, imitate me as I'm imitating Christ, following the steps as I'm following in his steps. That, that thing. I remember those who have the rule over you, you follow their faith. Okay. Now, turning to myself, I, I, have, I have to ask myself, you know, am, am I worthy of being followed in terms of, let's just say, a thing like attendance? If everybody attended church activities like I do, what, what would our attendance look like? If, if everybody, I don't know, sang in worship or prayed in worship or, or gave of their means in worship, or assembled around the table, particularly the Lord's Supper, like I do in worship, or meditated on the Word as it was being preached, as I do, what would our worship be like? If everybody followed in my footsteps, what would that look like? If everybody evangelized like I do, how many souls would be saved as a result. You know, I say, stand up boldly and say, hey, you imitate my evangelism technique as I am striving to follow after the evangelism techniques of Jesus. What results would we have? If everybody demonstrated kindness like I do, what kind of fellowship environment would we have in the church? If everybody invited strangers, or at least acquaintances, maybe, to come and participate in our worship services, how many visitors would we have every service? If everybody... Okay, let's take it to another level. If everybody loved Jesus. And when I say that, I'm not just talking about, boy, I love him because he washed my sins away. I'm also talking about how he's impacting my life and changing me. So there are hard things that Jesus has to say, but I'm, I'm grappling with him and I love him anyway. And because he loves the lost, I love them too. That, that idea. If everybody loved Jesus to the degree and the way that I do, what would the church look like? What kind of place would this really, this really be? I want you to understand that it, it, is, it is absolutely important for all of us to sign on with this idea of being a pattern of equipping. And the reason why is because every single one of us has, and I can't, I can't stress it enough, that every single one of us, I don't care who you are or what you think your capabilities are, every single one of us has an important role to play 
in the advancement of the kingdom of God. Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2 is not applied just to the spiritually strong of the body. It's applied to all of us who consider ourselves members of that body. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove. And did you know that is a legal term? It has to do with evidence. So you're giving the evidence that you're the child of God. You're the living sacrifice that you may prove, become the example of what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. And then finally, I, I want I wanted you to just think with me about the need for equipping. Why, why do we even need to equip? Why do I need to concern myself with other people's training and, and being taught? Well, it's because if the kingdom is going to be advanced, then we have some serious things to get in place. That's absolutely true, not just for us now, but for the future, for our children. We want to be sure that what's in place now is going to be of benefit to them. They can carry it on. Remember, first century ideals, they dealt with struggles, they learned some stuff, they passed that on to the next generation. That's what we want to do. We want to make it easier for them to be the church because I'm, I'm pretty sure that their environment where they live, even the nation itself, is not going to be so easy maybe as ours is. It's going to get harder and harder. And so we need to be passing something along. Why do we do it? Well, I want to see them develop more talents. I want to see them develop more capabilities to become more effective than we ever were. If the church is going to survive and flourish, we owe that to them. So we have to get our act together so that we have something to give them. That's why I would do it. What would I do exactly? Well, first, I'd be sure that they had the true doctrine. In fact, and this is kind of personal for me, but you can appropriate it for yourself too if you want to. In 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 6, Paul tells Timothy that if you'll do that, you'll protect that doctrine, you'll be a good minister. Well, I stand before you as one who wants to be a good minister. And if I'm going to if I'm going to have the Lord's backing and that that's going to be his attitude toward me, that means I'm going to protect the doctrine. I'm going to take that very seriously. I think all of us should do that. And I'm pretty sure that as each of us partake of the panoply of God, that's the way the song says it, soldiers of Christ arise. If we're going to take on the panoply of God, all that weaponry that Ephesians 6 describes, then we're going to take it all in and know how to handle it because we've been trained to use it. Just like 2 Corinthians 10, 3 and following, where we're not carnal anymore, but we're spiritual and we use the Word of God to tear down strongholds. So each of us need to be, need to be trained in the use of the weaponry that God has given us. I was telling Anita earlier, I remember this circumstance and I asked her if she remembered it. I don't think I just dreamed it up and it turns out I didn't. But a friend of ours decided they needed self-protection. So they got a handgun. This lady had called her nephew to come over to the house while we were there and give her instructions on safety and how to use this weapon that she had purchased. But she was so excited. And so when he came through the door, she ran and got the box that the gun came in and he showed her how to load it. And the first thing she did was grab that gun and started like this with it. Everybody's ducking like... Well, you see, she had a powerful, powerful weapon right there. But she hadn't been trained in how to use it yet. Now, now, you have the gospel. It is God's power to save. You know how to handle that, right? You know... I've known plenty of people that used the sword of God in order to cut heads off, basically. 
What we need is instruction or training in how to use the Word of God like a skilled surgeon to cut with it only so deep and only so wide as necessary for spiritual healing, not for cutting and slashing and injuring people. I'm just telling you, if, if we're going to prepare ourselves for the future, there's an absolute need to equip. And, and I think those are the kinds of things that we're going to be equipping people with. How do we do it? Well, I thought of a few things, and, and you'll be able to think of many more, but I know that we can equip people one-on-one, just sitting down talking with people and sharing what you know. I know we can do it through Bible classes like this on a grander scale. We can have workshops where we bring in, you know, high, highly trained professionals to come and teach us in some aspect of one thing or another. Or we can mentor people. To me, that's the thing. Finding someone, maybe it's your own child, but someone young in the faith who just needs another child of God to take interest in them and to kind of share insight from the experience that you have as a child of God. That will protect us, I think, to the next generation. Just some thoughts of mine. So here's the thing. We talk about the Great Commission and the preaching of the gospel, and we always think about getting them immersed, washing their sins away. Sure, love it. There's nothing greater to see than what is basically a spiritual miracle that takes place in front of us. But the other part of that is equipping. Uh, We have to be sensitive to the continued training of Christians. And you're never too old to learn something. Is that true or wrong? That's true. Let's have a prayer together. We'll be dismissed. Parents, rush out. The rest of us will leave right after you. Our Father, thank you so much for your blessings and the many ways that they come into our lives. Thank you for your word, the way it equips us. Help us to be open to your training. And Lord, also help us be open to the training of faithful Christians around us. Help us to open our eyes and learn from those who have already fought a lot of battles before us. Help us love each other. Help us to walk in the footsteps of Jesus and then to encourage others to do the same. Help us be worthy of that encouragement. In Jesus' name, amen.